Welcome to The Amanda Quick Show. I am your host, Amanda Quick. I am the best-selling author of The Sex Trafficker's Wife, a story of truth, faith, and trust in self, a public speaker, and a trauma advocate. This is my show where no topic is off-limits. From my own personal stories of trauma and adversity, to the healing journey after trauma, parenting after trauma, and the spiritual awakening that often follows our traumatic stories. Quantum physics, spirituality, and the realm of possibility. If this sounds like your jam, subscribe for more, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Amanda Quick Show. I'm your host, Amanda Quick. Today's episode, I want to share my experience of landing and giving a TEDx talk. I've just come back from London, Ontario, where I delivered my first TEDx, The Healing Power of Storytelling, which uh, will be aired on YouTube in the near future. But in the meantime, I would, while it's fresh especially, love to share with all of you what that process actually entails, what it looks like, what I learned, all of the things. Now, if you know what TED or TEDx is, you know it's a global platform and the brand TED is about sharing ideas worth spreading. It's often focused on technology, entertainment, and other specifically data-driven components, but oftentimes there's also big lessons and learnings and other ideas that are shared. Some of the most famous TED Talks are like B'nai Brown's The Power of Vulnerability, which isn't specifically about technology or data. And so it's a platform where ideas get to be shared. The talks are always less than 18 minutes. That's the max that TED will ever accept. And they all have one idea woven throughout. They're very, very scripted talks. And so it's less of less rambling and more very, very pointed conversation. And the platform itself has grown so much so that the actual TED events get hundreds of thousands of applicants a year. And each TEDx event, which are the local events with the same branding, often get hundreds of applicants for every single event. And each event takes like 10 to 12 speakers. So it's not the simplest thing to get accepted and to do. And it's there's a lot of weight and pressure in when you actually get that far. And so I want to talk about that because when it came to me that I was going to be giving a TEDx talk, this was shortly after I launched my book as kind of a next step, as another goal to have, is to think about if I were to have an 18-minute platform with the world's attention, what would I say? What would I want to share in a talk like that? And I had many ideas coming in and out and, you know, lots of things obviously related to what I went through in my story and the journey. And the other thing that's important to note about TED and TEDx is they do not accept any metaphysical talks. And so everything has to be backed by science in a sense. And anything that's considered pseudoscience is usually either tagged or flagged or sometimes won't even be posted. And so any kind of spirituality conversations are not, that's just not the platform for it. And so it couldn't, it can't really be about any of those components, but you can weave in lessons and learnings that aren't specifically woo-based. 
And so really thinking about that, really thinking about using this platform to share an important message with the world, something I want to be known for, something I want to stand for. And, you know, I, to be honest, didn't have the exact idea, the exact anything prepared when I actually went out and started applying. Uh, I take a very different approach than a lot of people. And I don't necessarily just decide this is the one talk and I have to find the one place to give it. No, I went the other direction. I started reaching out to events and I started looking at what they wanted because not everybody knows, but every single TEDx event carries a theme and they are looking for very specific types of talks that are for that theme and what they're wanting to share in some sense. And so I applied at probably two, three, four events that were somewhat close to where I am, thinking less travel could be helpful. But none of the themes were really spot on that were, it was not this knowing that this is the one. It was more just, what is the application process? Let's try some things. And I really didn't hear back from those. And then this application for this Western U event crossed my inbox and I had less than 24 hours to apply before the deadline. It was, I think I landed in my inbox at like six o'clock at night and it was due by midnight. And I almost didn't apply because of that. But then I saw the theme and this particular theme was Phoenix rising from the ashes. It was all about the stories of rising from it all burned down. And I went, that's, that's the one. That's my theme. That's my event. I can do this. And with the help of my dear husband, I sat down and basically threw together an application. And I trusted my knowing that this event needed a different talk than anything that had been in my head. And I came up with this idea of the healing power of storytelling, in part because it was specifically about what do we what's the benefit of rising from the ashes? How do we overcome these things? What's the message as we're rising? And I just kept coming back to this idea of storytelling and changing the narrative of the story that's being written. And so I went with it. I trusted that knowing that this event needed this talk and I submitted it and I heard back a week later, they wanted to interview me. So it's the first time that happened. That's very exciting. And this was back in November of 2023. And they interviewed me and they had some great questions because their audience base is students. They really wanted to know how I was going to approach the students. How was I going to make my Phoenix Rising story relevant for the students? And what was the lesson that I, and the idea that I was sharing in my talk and how all this would be woven through. And I got amazing feedback from the interviews. They, they, they thought I had some really great answers. I buttoned it all up and I said, all right, I'll see you in February, just setting my intentions out in the open. And then I heard back another week or so later that I had, I had gotten a spot and I was invited to speak at their event. And that was exciting in itself, but that's just the beginning. And now you have to write the talk. And some people go in, like I said, and they've already written their talk and they know what they're going to say, which is fantastic, but I hadn't done that because this was a new idea. This was a new talk. This was something specific for this event. And not everybody does everything the same. I, I've never been able to outline. And even if I do outline, I don't follow the outline. When I write my, when I wrote my book, there was no outline, anything I do, it's not outlined. It is very much 
channeled through. This is what needs to be said. And this is how I'm going to say it. And it comes out. And so I sat down to write the speech as I was preparing to meet with the coaches assigned to me for this event. And it just poured out of me. An entire speech poured out of me. And I, I had gotten pieces of it you know, the night before in as I was falling asleep and it just poured out. And so I ran with it and I shared it with the coaches and they were just like, oh my God, this is the perfect talk for this event. I said, I know, right? <laughs> and they encouraged me to add some more to it and to flesh it out, which I did. And and then you have to make sure you stay within a certain time limit. Their request was it to stay under 15 minutes even though Ted's is 18, they wanted it a slightly shorter and each event will be different. Some people want 12 minutes, some people want even less than that, but this event was 15. And so then I had to practice it and I had to time myself and that in itself is a lot of work to flush through. And eventually I got my speech to a point where I felt like it was what it needed to be. And I started practicing in front of other people. And this was surprisingly challenging. As somebody who has no problem talking, as it was a kid who talked too much, <laughs> as a person who has a podcast and has been interviewed so many times and had happy to speak on any and every platform, it was surprisingly challenging to give a speech, a scripted speech from memory in front of other people. I had never done that before. And I found myself exceptionally nervous, not in my mind, but my body was having like a physical reaction to doing that. I found myself uncontrollably shaking. I couldn't stop it. And I try to breathe deep breath. I'm trying not to look at my notes because I don't have this thing memorized yet. And I'm trying to give this talk in front of my local Toastmasters group. And I get through it, but holy man, did it really hit me how much more work I was going to need to put into this talk. Because that, that did not go like I wanted it to. And... I was really grateful for the opportunity to practice in that way because it's very different to practice your speech in front of the people you live with or to be sitting in your chair over Zoom grounded with your feet versus hands-free and what do I what do I do with myself especially when you've never done so before. And so I came back and I started really recognizing that this speech needed to be so well memorized, so well flushed through that I could do it in my sleep. Because if I didn't have to worry about remembering what I was going to say, I could truly focus on my breath, my groundedness, my presentation, everything else. And I didn't have to focus on remembering. And that felt really, really important. And so I set out to memorize this 15-minute speech, which if you've never done something like that, it's a very long speech to memorize. Very long. You think it's not that big of a deal, but it's five pages long at 15 minutes. It's a very long speech. And I wanted it to maybe memorize, not in chunks, but word for word, because of what I was weaving in and how I was saying each thing led up to the next thing and how I was presenting the overall idea. It was, it was very important. It felt very important that it be spoken the way that it was written. And so I started Rep repeatedly just practicing over and over and over and over in my head, speaking it out to myself, recording myself, listening to myself, and just keep practicing. And I started to get chunks. And I could do chunks, but then I would not remember what came next. And I'd have to figure out how to weave each chunk together. And okay, this part 
always comes after this part. And I would play mind games with myself to try to build these building blocks in my mind of how this all wove together. And it started to stick little by little, started to get better. I practiced in my head at least once or twice before I went to sleep every night. I practiced in the bathroom. I would get up in front of the mirror, practice, have my speech there if I needed it. But, you know, the goal is not to do that. And really honoring that for me, feeling that level of confident gave my nervous system a breather because I knew I knew I knew this, right? That's what I was going for. And about two-ish weeks before the actual actual talk, I started to get it 100%. I started to no longer check my notes. I started to, if I just sat for a minute, I could have the next piece come. And it got easier and easier and easier. I started to realize that if I practiced while I was running every morning, that I would get muscle memory involved. And I would be practicing while my heart rate was elevated. And that was going to support the potential nerves on the stage. And I started to see the benefits in that, right? And I just kept going and going and going. And then I went back to my Toastmasters group. And I gave the speech this time from memory in front of everybody without notes. And it was vastly different. And although they don't know it, I messed up, but I kept going and nobody knew. And that permission that if I mess up, nobody will know, they will still think it's a beautiful talk, helped me relax just even a little bit more, just to breathe a little bit more. And to know that, you know, at that point in a week and a half, I was about to be on the red dot stage. It was just about refinement now at this point. And so I left last week about a, you know, on the, on the 31st, I left first thing in the morning and headed down to, or up, I should say, to London, Ontario, to meet the team, to go through the dress rehearsal and to actually give this event. And to say I was not nervous would be lying because <laughs> I absolutely was, but I had this level of confidence in what I was doing now because I had practiced so much. I had, I had read not just in my mind, but out loud. I had practiced standing up. I knew what I was doing with my hands, with my body. I felt grounded. I had all of these other practices to help keep me clear and centered. I knew I had all these people behind me, all this energetic support and I was ready. And so I went to the dress rehearsal and I get, got to stand on the red dot stage before, which if, if you ever give a TEDx event, if they don't offer a dress rehearsal, ask, go there the day before, stand there, feel it, look what the audience is going to look like. You don't want your first time on that stage, especially with the level of weight involved to be you know, the time you're delivering it because it adds a whole nother layer of just, oh. so I got to deliver it without the big audience there, but with my coaches there and some sound people and practice that. And that went really well. I was feeling good. I was still a little bit shaky to be totally transparent. I was still had some, some shakes in my feet, but I was able to hold myself grounded and I got to just know, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And My intention the day of was to not watch any other talks until after mine. So like I said, there's like 10 to 12 speakers per event. Mine had 12. We were in four groups of three and I was after lunch. And so the morning ones, I didn't even show up. I wasn't even there. I focused on staying in my energy, my speech, 
practicing while I'm putting my makeup on, doing my hair, all the things, just being in my space. And I showed up at lunchtime. I met everybody. And I was in the third group, the last one of the third group after lunch. And so that like hour window was the most nerve wracking window because I was at the event. Everybody's knowing I'm coming up next. I can feel the nerves of the people who haven't yet spoken, especially the last group. I can feel their anxiety. They're all trying to repeat their speeches in their head. I'm trying to stay in my energy. I can feel the audience just. (sighs) And I remember being like, I have to pull everybody out of my field. I have to stay centered. I turned on my frequency device. I focused on my breath. I, I went into a meditative state and I just grounded myself. I got this. And uh, next thing I know, they called my name to go get mic'd up and get ready. And, you know, you're kind of half listening to the person before you in while you're backstage. But mostly I'm just visualizing myself rooted to the ground, present, purposeful. I'm not repeating my speech anymore. I know, I know, I know it. I know I can give this speech like it is the back of my hand. And then it's my turn. And I go up on stage and there's... You know, the audience isn't isn't packed. That was probably about 250 people total, which is a pretty big audience for your first big speech. And I went out there and I took a deep breath and I delivered the talk of my life. <laughs> and I am so proud to say that I freaking rocked it. I didn't mess up a single time. I delivered it emotionally, powerfully. I knew the audience was going to react to a lot of what I said, and I just let it wash right through me. I didn't let it hit me like I did before. I didn't worry about what they thought. I just delivered what I needed to say. I spoke with power and intention and just everything I wanted. And I, I just, I, I'm just, and I came off the stage. Holy crap, I did it. <laughs> I think they even they even caught a clip of me at the end just whispering in the mic, I did it. <laughs> because it was such a big deal. It was such a big deal. And because it was the end of the last session, then there was a break before the fourth session. And so everybody left the theater and all came to talk to me, which I wasn't actually expecting. I didn't know how any of those things worked. And I got so much amazing feedback, so much amazing feedback. People were shocked that I had never given a speech like that before. And they all wanted to read my book, which was great. I had people asking me if I wanted to make my book into a documentary. I just all of this feedback and people who were there for other speakers relating to what I was saying based on their own history. And I thought that was really amazing, too, because this was a Phoenix Rising event, right? So everybody's sharing their rising story of how they rose out of their darkness. And so a lot of people related to what I was saying, whether they not they had any kind of direct experience, they still related to the message. And that was a that was amazing to just be in that that I I did it and people received it in the way that I intended. And my, you know my phone is blowing up from people buying virtual tickets and, and had seen it you know back home and my mom and my sister and everybody was watching me, and that was amazing. And then I got to relax. I got to take a deep breath a very surreal one and sit and enjoy the rest of the event. And afterwards there was this like, well, I don't even know what to do with myself now. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with myself because I did it. I don't, I don't need to repeat the speech anymore. I delivered it. It's done. It's out there. 
they have to do their editing and post-production of the video they recorded and they'll submit it to Ted, but there's nothing more for me to do other than to share that I did deliver this talk and to tell people that when it's live, I will of course share it. I want to share it. I would love for you to share it and to spread it even far and wide because there are so many parts of my story that I want the world to talk about because I'm not the only one, but very few, if any, are talking about it like I am. And I want that to change. I want the awareness to shift. I want people to realize what happens in every single city and how much power we actually have to shape the story and the narrative of our lives. Like, I want people to know that you get to choose the story that's being written and that the healing power of that story is your choice, not anybody else's. And how you do this and how I did this and the call to action is really what story are you telling for your life and how are you showing up in that life? And, and I want the world to really feel that message. And so I'm so excited for it to come out. It likely will take a month or two or more. I have honestly no idea. Um, I may get some pieces earlier, but once it actually gets posted on the YouTube, maybe a little while. And once I share it, of course, y'all will know, (laughs) but the experience of preparing and then actually delivering this talk was another level of healing and empowerment than even writing my book. And that's, and that's something I didn't actually know. I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that part because writing my book, publishing my book, launching my book was one of the healing, most healing things I, I did reliving in detail, allowing it to lift up out of my body and then share my book with the world, to have people resonate with my story, to thank me for sharing my story. That's really fucking healing. But to then take that story and turn it into a 15-minute talk and to deliver it on a TEDx stage and to, to feel and know that level of impact that this talk will have is a whole nother level. And it feels, at least to me, like an even bigger gateway, an even bigger doorway to what is going to be possible with the way that I want to support and shift and change the world because we got a lot of work to do. (laughs) And I will speak on every stage if invited to, to talk about this, but the TED and TEDx stages are one of, are seen and revered as as one of the most prestigious in a lot of ways. And so to be able to share my message in a stage of that, uh, of that, you know, uh, seen in that way is, is it's going to change things. And I know it's going to change things and I'm freaking here for it. And so if you too have that story, if you have a memoir you want to write, if you have a talk you want to give, if you have a message that you want to reach a global platform, a TED and TEDx talk is a beautiful way to do it. Launching a book is another beautiful way to do it. There are so many avenues and that's the, that's the beauty really of the world is there's so many avenues and platforms already established that we can use to help build your own global platform, whatever that looks like. And, and, you know, I know that there's more coming and I know that at some point my my story will be on film in some capacity. It will be 
whether in documentary form or not. It will be it will be out there in all of these other ways because because it needs to. Truly, it needs to be. People need to know they're not alone. People need to know what is happening. People need to know the power they have to choose, that they have the power to choose. They have the power to heal and to change their lives. And they have the power to bring awareness to all the fucking bullshit that goes on in the systems today. The level of privilege that the legal system implies that the safety from your abuser is a privilege because you must pay to get divorced, whether or not you have the funds to do so, because you must have the right lawyer behind you. It is an implied privilege, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. And that is a problem. And I want to raise the level of awareness so that people know how much this happens and how bad it gets. And even with the level of privilege that I have held, it still was the fight of my fucking life. And I will do everything I can to shift that awareness so that people can have these conversations. And that includes speaking on these type of stages, talking, sharing, writing, doing everything I can. And I want to encourage anybody else out there, if you have that too, to think about what platforms would listen and hear your message. What would you say? If you had 18 minutes of the world's attention, what would you say? How would you get them hear you? How, how would you hold their attention long enough that they actually heard what you said and felt something from it, felt some shift in their perception, some change in their awareness that actually made them go, wow, holy shit, she's right. They're right. What are we going to do about it? Like that's, that's the level of impact that a really good talk could have. And that's my intention is to do more of it, (laughs) is to do more of it, is to share more and more of the possibilities and the shifts and the changes and the growth that can come from these horrible things so that we can use them and help other people. And so with all of that, part two of this conversation, which will come out next week, is what happened after? Because it has only been six days now since my TED Talk. And... My trip home was insane, like beyond insane. And if you're if you're Facebook friends or on my any of my social medias, you may have seen a sneak preview, but the trip home was nuts, absolutely nuts. And I am not somebody who believes in coincidences. Absolutely not. Everything has an energetic underlying everything. And I knew that my talk, as I put it out into the ethers, would have ripple effects, but I did not, not expect the literal bomb to go off like it did as I was leaving uh, Ontario and as I was coming back home to be grounded back in my space. And that is a story for next time because holy guacamole, if that energetic experience is a preview for me of what is coming once my talk is released into the big wild world web, I I don't even have words. (laughs) I truly don't. So with that, uh, lots of love to you all. Just tune in for next week and I will share what happened after that. And uh, from there, we'll see what happens next. Lots of love, everybody.